Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the DeSerto Talk Show. It's season two. I'm your host, Richard Lewis, and uh, we've got yet another Counter-Strike veteran for you today. Perhaps one of the uh, proto-veterans, because he's been around so long, you think he's older than he actually is. He's still a young man. That's the crazy thing, but he's been, been in the game right from the start. It is, of course, nothing. Uh, I get to call him Jordan. Uh, how, how you doing? It, I feel like it's been ages. I haven't seen you since E-League, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we were on the desk together. That's right. I've been good, man. Um, I actually feel like I want to do a couple more desks again lately. I've been focusing on all this influencer stuff. I, I have kind of a secret project that I wish I could talk about yet that I've, that's, I'm hoping is coming to fruition, so we're not jinxing it. But uh, I've been mm-hmm. working on that. And then a um, little bit of playing here and there, as you've, you've seen and stuff. And... Yeah, it's, uh, it's well, while, while, while that's in your mind, I guess, I guess we can, uh, you know, that was going to come up later, but let, let's get right into that. Um, you know, I, I was going to say, surely you must have had a ton of offers to be doing desk work. I, I feel like the days of like people like me and Duncan and, and obviously Yanko now has gone into coaching. I was starting to see a lot of like kind of ex pros come through now, which is great for the game. And, and, and what I said, absolutely needed to happen you know we've had sean gares doing desks but you doing desks so i was wondering why we haven't seen you on desks because i mean i would have imagined you would have been one of the first choices have you have you had a lot of offers um a decent amount and you guys you guys might be selling yourselves a little short obviously you guys aren't doing it as much but i wasn't sure if you were implying there that you guys should be moving on or something (laughs) oh i mean i i i have i'm done with it all now yeah well okay well if it meant anything, I, I'm just blowing smoke or fluffing you a little here, but you did a great job on the, on the oh, desk. There. Helped me out on E-League when they're yelling about me about my t-shirt and talking away <laughs> about something else. You're like, just focus on me. Um, I think in general, um, I was accepting a decent amount, but what started happening is I got some pretty cool opportunities to work with brands. And a lot of times they're at events, like I am Chicago, ESL in New York, where they're asking me to cast, but what I ended up doing was working out a way because one of the best things to be for me about casting is still just being involved in the scene yeah. and getting paid to talk about Counter-Strike, right? It's a pretty straightforward job, but um, I think, yeah, I think if some of it was very simple as like, not, you know, it sounds very like sellouty, but some of it was just, there's like these bigger annual deals with these brands. And when you sign mm-hmm. them, you're going to occasionally run into an event where they haven't asked for you that is going to conflict with that. So that's part of it. And then the other part I think was like, now that I'm not competing, some of my travel schedule is cool to just be able to say no to like going to events and focus on like being at home and trying to work on other things. Um, and then, yeah, um, people like Sean and stuff, well, you got to also be into it because like someone like Sean, he kills it on the desk. I know oh, yeah. some of the events I did, I was kind of, I was kind of transparent about it. I was relying on with you guys, with Yanko for the vetoes at that one group stage all the time. Cause I was like, to be honest, like, I watched the first stage of these matches, but like, I don't know the history of these teams and I didn't sit down the night before like a professional should have and just look at all the results of the team and really go in depth because I had done that for the first couple of ESL events and it really helped me when I did that, when I just really dove in. I was like, you know what? Until I feel super pumped on like analyzing, I'm just going to decline that too. And I, now I'm actually feeling bad because I, I declined DreamHack Masters Dallas. And I was like, you know what? That would have been a, a pretty hype event to be at. I should have, that would have been fun to go in there and, Mm. but yeah other than that that's pretty much it well t- tell me about the influencer stuff because uh this is something that's kind of 
you know, fascinating to me where we're at right now in terms of uh, gaming culture, streaming culture. If you were a, a one-time, you know, great uh, esports professional, uh, now what we're starting to see is people building up large followings on social media, kind of um, becoming e-celebrities and and going out and yeah, and, you know, now you guys pretty much you you can make or break video games whether or not they're successful well, right? <laughs> over here. you know um, i think it's, too, it's a couple parts one part is like you're probably the same boat as where you you have a bigger you've been sitting you've been in the room near me for most of these events my whole career but you have a completely different um resume in esports and yours is much more well-rounded than the average player and so you have these skill sets that you've developed so a lot of us as players the influencer is a is a, an alluring thing because it's not always like to be blunt it's not always like it's like hard work necessarily it's more about like choosing the right brands to work with and doing what you're already doing and then expanding kind of how you could what revenue sources you can have so as a pro it, people ask me this all the time like hey what's after being a pro it's like we're still figuring that out like there's yeah. it really depends on the type of person you are what your interests are do you want to go into sales? Do you want to be a journalist? Because it's not like you just decided one day, hey, I'm just gonna start asking people questions. Well, maybe you did long ago, but you've done it a long enough time to where you can consider yourself a legit professional. And so um, I think for me, part of the decision was that, just like expanding myself professionally and just like, yeah, people always said, oh, Jordan's always doing the interviews. He's kind of already an influencer. That's just because literally every team I've been on was like, we like taboo about doing interviews on stage. And I was like, well, I'll do a stage interview. I don't think it's going to like affect my performance. I didn't care. So I kind of just, that, that side of it was easy transition. And then mm. I think well, the other side of it is not yeah. wasting the opportunity to interact with fans, right? Is like to always have those touch points and, and be able to choose brands. And like, you know, I'm sure you just like me, I mean, shit, the amount of things you've talked about on the subject, there's a lot of times players have, have, have to turn down all these deals that are coming through that are, geez, all these, sites that could be damaging or frauds or whatever and they'll offer you a bunch of money to rep them so there's that's like the main like difficult side of it a lot of times is just like keeping your brand fresh and and staying engaged but yeah for me the tough thing is just I'm not shrouty level where I, I don't want to play a million different games yet I'm getting there I'm starting to play some more well, I mean, what, one, of the, one of the things that, that's coming up right now in the news is because of all this TFU and, and uh, phase drama, you know, which I've been covering extensively, is this idea that, you know, you surrender a part, like a huge part of yourself as an individual when you sign these contracts, whether, whether you're an esports athlete or a streamer or a broadcaster, um, you know, for these organizations, what you do is you say, the organization sponsors uh, are my sponsors and you sign away your rights to get your own individual sponsors, which for example, somebody like yourself on a team, you know, if you're playing with uh, a, a young kid who's really, really good, but just wants know, to play. yeah, yeah. But just wants to play, you know, doesn't, um, doesn't have that brand awareness yet. Doesn't have that recognition from the community and the fans. Then you've got somebody like you who has like a bigger reach. You know, you're, you're both sponsored by Logitech because the team says so, but you might have a razor endorsement deal. You might use razor mice. Um, and you might be able to go out and get more money. Well, you're not allowed to because you've signed well, to an esports organization. And I made some of those mistakes of just not having, like, I definitely looked over my contract probably more than the average person, but I, early on, I didn't, 
take a lawyer and look at some of the archaic aspects closely enough of some of these contracts because yeah, that's happening. And I think more and more we're going to start to see um, one, cause I don't, I think now the organizations eventually, now that it's a little bit more apparent, they don't have an excuse back in the day, you know, how long it's been, people are just creating these contracts to get people under agreement. And I don't necessarily blame all the like team owners and people who are involved in this a long time ago for the initial things. Like, I mean, there's no one else to blame. I mean, I'm, I'm not holding them super critically because it's like, they just wanted a contract and they needed something in place. And then they kind of listened to whoever told them they could do this and they didn't fully educate themselves on all the different state laws or each person lived. But I think now that it is where it's at, there's no excuse anymore to have like lazy agreements and whatnot. And so I think also companies are starting to see the adverse effect it has on the people they sponsor um, just as an example, let's just say any peripheral company or any endemic esports company, I think they're starting to see that they're going to have much more impact when they're sponsoring a player or personality or whatever that that wants to be sponsored by them, right? Because mm. I'm sure you've heard the countless players, but I hate this mouse or this, this, or this, oh, this company. Yeah. It's like how much impact? So many times now the years. Just the big team, though. So aside from what you're saying of just like them being in a shit contract, it's not only shit for themselves, it's generally will end up being shit for the sponsor they don't want to represent or something. So, um. Yeah, well, which, which side of it do, do you prefer in terms of um, being able to control your, your income and your revenue streams? I mean, is it, is it better? Is, is it, was it better being a player because you had that guaranteed salary coming in? Or is it better to be kind of the master of your own destiny and be out there, you know, talking to wow. agents, talking to deal makers? I mean, if you're doing it successfully, it's better to be on your own in a sense of business because then you are creating your own foundation that with variables that you could see coming. Whereas when you play for an organization, they have their own insulation in front of you of contracts and what their deals are. And you don't necessarily know when everything's coming and going. And, um, you know, from like a personal standpoint, I love being on a team and having teammates and trying to win and co compete. Like, um, you know, how fun is it to be able to compete at anything for a living, right? Mm. Um, but um, just from being an influencer this last year, I signed a manager and I've worked with many different agencies. I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm still not technically exclusive to any one agency. I worked a lot and that was really cool because you felt like you were filtering out things coming to you more and not just getting what you think is a good deal. You can kind of do a little more due diligence when you rep yourself. Yeah. Um, well, look, t let's talk about leaving playing behind. I, I think one of the big issues that a lot of players have in esports in general, you know, not just Counter-Strike, is um, picking the right time to retire, then when, retire, when retired, knowing what to do. Uh, they, always get the, they always get bitten by the bug, and they always come back, and they always end up ruining their legacy. Um, you haven't done that, I don't think, honestly. There's definitely much more notable examples of players that... Oh, yeah. I hope I didn't ruin it completely, no, but I definitely, no, no. I definitely made that like ambiguous choice to not just be like, hey, I'm retired. I'm mm. just like, hey, I'm, I'm just here. But, um, but yeah, so uh, talk, me, talk me through the decision-making process that's going through your mind, because I know you're not... I, I still get the impression that you're not all the way out yet. I get the impression that, yeah, like, sure. yeah, yeah, you would come back and play. Yeah. I, I, and I've said it before. I, I think I think you could. There's some players I wish had retired. But not, you're not one of them yet. I, um, you know, it's 
it's one of those things where I just thought it was like, unless I was confident in like my full departure and I was going to go like a couple of these projects, I was one of them that I'm working on could potentially make me not be able to even play. if I was fully focused on it, but um, yeah, I think I just chose not to say anything. Cause it's like, why, why, how does that help me really? Unless I really like, unless I need that to move on or unless I really just want to, Hey, let the community know that don't stop caring about me, but I wanted them to still care because I wanted to still interact and stream CSGO and be at events and, and maybe play again. Part of it was just like, I had been like, you were joking earlier. I had, what I went my first technical pro contract in 2008 and it's just there's a lot of travel and a lot of effects on my personal life that I don't regret and that I appreciate and I'm super grateful for but I was like it was cool to kind of take this different approach now I felt like I did get a little bit momentum of not playing so I didn't really necessarily want to commit to a team so that's why you saw me do a couple of stand-in things and almost almost played with complexity a little longer so I think the mentality for me is like, I know, so, I mean, that's kind of like softly talked about. I had my RSI issues in my arm, in my forearm at the end of the Sean Gares 2015 C19 that that started that year when we picked up Stu and that already like kind of cut my deathmatch hours down a little bit. So I felt my aim was very inconsistent. Like, like it would probably look like I'd whiff and I'd be like, dude, I don't like, like just like literally six months ago, I felt like anyone could peek me and I would get my kill if I needed to. And I started slipping. So for me, is one of those things where I noticed, and we could, we could probably get in this meeting, you've talked about this off camera. When I was on the last version of C9, it was pretty public that I had kind of lost confidence, not just in the team, but in myself, because all the friction. And I think that really doubled down on my, my strengths, and it took some of them out of the picture, because a lot of my strengths was when the pieces of a team are very close together, I've played so many roles but I could find a lot of big kills against any team in the world. I'm not going to go out there and put up the carry numbers unless just it happens to be that way. But like my intention, the way I practiced every scrimmage, I wasn't out there like carrying unless the team was just playing like shit against me or doing stupid things. I'll get a bunch of kills. But I was this guy who, when the pieces were pretty close together, I would kind of lock them in a little bit. And, and, and especially out to the game, talk to people like, Hey man, you're pissing this guy off doing this thing. You're not playing well doing this thing. We need to do this thing better. And I'll, I'll do this for you if you don't want to do it. And so um, I think part of my thinking was like, I still know how to do that. And, I'll, and I love to do the competing thing. But then that whole other part I had mentioned first was kind of coming in, which is just about the commitment of the thing, right? You can't just be a part-time player on a pro team. You got to be a full-time player. So, yeah. Um, so I still definitely have some confidence in doing the thing. I would definitely need to up the hours again of just like muscle memory and, and getting, um, you know, that extra 1% of that everyone always talks about when you're really trying to have an impact at that level of any sport. So I can't, can't just coast off past experience um, from like a mechanic perspective. And it's only gotten more and more to where every team, you know, like Glaive's in-game leader back in the day, Pronax would be like, oh, he just bunny hops around and flush it and Olaf and then dominate. But now it's like, no, Glaive is carrying some games and everyone, you know, so pretty exciting time to be in cs man and all the other stuff that we could talk about ties into potential excitement is like i know a lot of people think oh like a cs go dying but there's a lot of things that could be super exciting as a player that might mm. that might change so i haven't i'm literally exfoliating my thought process right now to you as you can see like i'm just kind of like talk 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 because 
But it's, it, it's, it's much better when interviews go that way, actually. It's, not, it's, it's easy for me. I just get to sit here and uh, drink coffee. Uh, yeah. Is that Shroud Blend? Because I'm drinking uh, some Shroud Blend right now. No, no, no. I just get um, uh, Starbucks. I'm, I'm not very sophisticated it, when it comes it, to it. It took him like a year to send me some fucking coffee. I but, um, but, I, I, but I would happily accept, accept yeah. it. I haven't, I haven't yeah. talked to Michael in a... In a long, long time, you know, since he blew up. Basically. His bubble, talking about yeah, well, yeah. I, 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 I don't even know what that world's like, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I want to. Well, yeah, man. So um, I think that's part of the reason why I ruled it, haven't ruled it out. I think some of me still holds on just because I love competing, and it's hard for me to let go of that. And also, like, um, you know, as, like, when you create this alternate persona, you hold on to these skill sets you have whether it's like you know whether it's like an ego thing or whether it's like uh you know just an association thing for your like your persona but i i still love interacting that's why like i can hop on and play pickup games that are so dreadful because i have the community watching and they're interacting and i can talk to them about what's going on and so I, it's still fun competing and uh yeah, yeah. We'll see if anything uh sparks me to go back fully into it it's, it affects your relationships too as you know right like so yeah that's you know, luckily going stable for me, but it would be like cool to have like a house or something and be able to like join a team, not have to like live in another, like someone's studio apartment or whatever and play 14 hours a day and not see anybody. So, well, um, let, let's talk about the, the end of the, the cloud nine uh, tenure and then we'll, we'll come to the, the times that you went as a stand in and, and, and the teams that sort of came after that. It, it seemed to me a very sort of um, strange situation because, you know, I, I, I heard everything that was going on, you know, just from gossip and stuff behind the scenes that, you know, there was this tension in the team. Yeah. That, that, there was... Um, it seemed like everybody wanted everyone <laughs> yeah. one week. You could count through the roster. Yeah, and, 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 and it was weird because when, the, when that team broke apart, right, after, after hearing nonstop about, you know, this player wants this player out, but that player thinks he should be the one to go and wants to bring in this player, you know, all of this, like, drama and politics, when you actually did stand down from the team, it, it seemed to be like a really sad moment, you know? Like, you know, the, like the players who had sort of got what they want, uh, got what they wanted, they immediately, I know it's like, it, it, there seemed to be like an almost outpouring of, like, grief or something, like really over-the-top emotional about about you leaving. So... Was the point where you stood down? Was there like this big catharsis behind the scenes? Like, uh, you know, did the players kind of regret how things had turned out a little bit, or or was that more for the fans? I think a lot of people on the squad. So every single person on the team, I had had good personal experiences with in the past, right? So like, and I'm still friends with pretty much all of them. Like, you know, sometimes we there's a little bit of tension left there, but um really it was we need that there was the change was positive as you saw they needed something to spark them right and they were sparked and that's that was part of their boston run was that spark coming from that that change so something needed to change i think for the core of Stu and tim to feel more focused because they kind of became the head of our team but there's a lot of friction from those two people that you know not my place to get into all the details about their own friction but they sure. had the friction together which kind of bled me and everyone thinks Stu was the only reason that I was cut but it was more me and Stu argued a lot because we have kind of the two opposite ends of the a more holistic approach to like hey yeah we just messed up let's not yell at each other and Stu actually came a long way 
a lot of people think like oh he was just a demon child the whole time it's like no no no. like he was young and had to learn some things but um i still even to this day talk to Stu, and um you know he's just you know i can, we always we always joked about him being like a kobe bryant kid because he came from basketball just someone who loves winning so much that not always going to show his motion properly when he loses. So there was that side that a lot of people saw. I think the sadness was um, maybe partly because towards the end, there's a couple people who couldn't even talk to me <laughs> about things without like literally like talking through like our sports psychologist about it. And right. Where I think those people felt bad because I was literally just saying, hey, like, we have these issues, let's sort them out. And, like, it started to become apparent that Mikey was just caring less and less. And he had had that happen a couple of times in the stream, but he's like, you know what, like, I still like competing my practice. He just didn't like practicing at all. And I was like, everyone didn't like practice right now, Mikey. Like, it's all right. Like, we're all, we're all kind of bummed about it. And then, so it got to a point where that was one of the changes that seemed like it was going to happen. Mm. And then there was this kind of vote from one person who was just like, Hey, some we need to change someone else out of this 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 duo because literally, like I said, everyone was on the the, the chopping block at one point. They had wanted to change, as you know. Like I think Stu and Tim at one point were going to potentially both had individual offers from Liquid, and they were considering that. And and then it got to the point where, um, yeah, this one person just said, "Hey, one of these guys needs to go." And I mean, I was in the pool against let's just say someone else who was considered one of our star players. And I was like, all right, well, I'm I'm just going to go to Catalina on vacation. I mean, it was because it was the player break. I went to Catalina and came back. Uh, Stu was actually very cordial. He came over to my apartment. He was, dude, literally like, yeah, he was. Like you you said, the emotion was, could have been a a fake. No, it was truly real. Even the moment he, he felt, he was like super broken down about telling me about it. I was like, Hey man, like, I know it feels weird because I've been on the team for a long time, but a team needs to function professionally and we're not functioning professionally at all. And so it was, it definitely, I think this, I think the sadness, like I said, yeah, it came from that. Normally what we did so well was when we had a f- issue, it never like crossed that point and it came back and I felt like I was normally part of that. And I think at a certain point, I also was just like, I'm going to stand my ground and be a little bit hard headed about some of these topics. I'm not just going to keep being, the nice guy Jordan and I, that obviously created a snapback but I think some of Sanders was like oh Jordan probably deserved to act that way at the end we feel bad kind of how we did it we shouldn't have did anything like that but I mean what is that two three years ago now two two years ago one and a half I don't even know how long it's been since I technically left but well yeah you do you, t- you stood down from the team in August 2017, 2017. so it's like you know mm-hmm. I see these guys in LA and it's not like I'm like oh hold them <laughs> You know, like it's, yeah. it's all, it's all, uh, it's all in the past, but that was the, some of the stuff that's not in the past was me. I had, I had definitely got affected towards that team where some of those matches we went into that last crack out major and stuff. When I was playing, I was like, I felt like I was having an out of body experience. I couldn't even focus on my screen. I was like, I, not only did I feel like judged for every little breath I took and peak I took I just felt like no one no one was happy together and then somehow we had to win to make it better and I was like this is not good this is not good yeah on a positive note we would have literally had to win the major and even then I would have felt like and and ironically I'll add this without adding too much what are the people who ended up making that decision they ended up winning Boston right and I heard the same thing happen 
they literally had the same internal breakdown about something after they won the major. And I was like, okay, it made me feel a little better. I was like, okay, at least I wasn't. So at one point I was like, was I really like bleeding some negative energy or lack of motivation in the team that was really happening? I was like, oh no, this, this same source of unhappiness was kind of still there. But, you know, it's unfortunate. The most sad thing was that that was probably our best lineup. And so I was having a blast because Stu and Tim coming in as like guys that I had played with when they were younger were teaching me so many things about the game. Tim was like, was kind of like educating us a lot on like what a lot of Brazilians do. Stu, everyone thought Stu was just some like scrimmy kid strat caller. Stu had a lot of brilliant ideas and he was calling very selfless strats when he was calling and had all these cool ideas for how to like get scrimmier. And so we had a really fun lineup if we could have just had a little bit more togetherness in it. So that's, that's kind of where my energy ended on it. It was like, yeah, yeah, it could have been some more, but got to move forward now. <laughs> when, when, when they won the major, I mean, um, you know, what, what's the kind of emotional mindset you're in when that happens? Because, you know, it, 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 it's always difficult. Like when you leave a team, um, and it's, better. <laughs> yeah, and then they end up doing better. Exactly. It's like when you leave, even if you leave on good terms, I think there's always a part of you that kind of wants them to fail a little bit, so you can turn around and go, you know, I wasn't the problem. Oh, I wasn't that bad. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I mean, Kiyoshima, you know, gets his whole name sure. from that, I right? Said it right away on something. I was like, of course, I'm a little jealous. Even if it wasn't them, I would want to win a major. And then my ex-teammates that I played with for a long time go and win a major. I'm like, shit, man. But so I was actually at the Farmers Open Golf Tournament. I was watching, like, Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson and stuff. And I'm watching on my phone in the final. And you know what? I was actually pretty um, – I was pretty emotional for Tyler when I saw him on stage. Because at first, there was a tone of bitterness in it because I was like, I really wanted to be in that position, right? But – the, seeing Tyler on stage and him happy, it sounds super cheesy, but it actually did make me feel pretty good for that moment. I was like, you know, at least I can still be proud that, and, and I've said something bitter. The most bitter thing I've probably said was that I felt like they had just as hard of this time as when we won Brazil. I was like, to be honest, I felt like it wasn't much harder, but it was major. And so that was the most bitter thing I've probably said about it. It's like, cause that is, you can hear it. Like even when I say it, like, where is he coming from when he says that? That's probably the most bitter thing I've said is like, I don't know if it was that hard. Shock just started calling the G2. They took them out in semis. They beat FaZe on an effed up veto. I was like, we beat SK and won the world at the time in, in a final pretty easy. Like, I, you know, like, so that's probably the most bitter thing I've said, but we didn't do it in a major, so I'm jealous for that for sure. But other than that, yeah, happy for, like, seeing Tyler up there. That was for sure stoked. And, you know, I've congratulated all of them at one point or another. Um, it, there was a weird situation it felt like as well going on at, at, at Cloud9 just from your perspective because generally when you see people leave teams you know they, they have something lined up or their contracts are near an end anyway and they just wait it out you were in like limbo for like the best part of a year like about nine months uh, after you stood down from cloud nine yeah uh, you were still technically part of cloud nine, nine. Cloud nine yeah um i i even think i might have seen you at an event or something and uh, you know I, I i i can't remember but it, you might have had to wear like a cloud nine jersey or something I, I, you know there was some weird shit going on and it was just like wait but you're definitely not in the team anymore and yeah so i mean without criticizing c9 much i they because they lived up to their agreement in that sense as i had to live, live up to mine so they had to pay me to stay on the roster and I still couldn't join another team without a buyout. 
I mean, I didn't really ask because the, the couple of teams that had asked me right after I got benched, I think I just, like I said, I, my confidence was a little shot and I needed an emotional breather. So I was like, hey, guys, I'm not – I don't feel like joining a team. And um, that momentum, it took me a little bit to get it back. That's why I was so fun when I played with mouse sports and stuff. But, yeah, when I stayed with C9 right there, it was just kind of like, oh, I'm under this contract. And, like, I was kind of too noob when I first signed it to not have, like, a nice bench clause, you know, mm-hmm. like um, – to be like, hey, after three months of being benched, these and these things change or contingencies change, which is we're trying to like, as a players association, we're trying to like get more and more players to be aware of things like that. I'm not saying like C9 is putting me into massive contract deal or anything, but I, I just wasn't, I wasn't necessarily even interested in joining another team. So I figured I'll just let these things happen while I figure out my streaming, what else I could do, things we were talking about earlier, like what other business opportunities might there be for me. If there was something massive that was super immediate, then I would have probably asked Jack, Hey, can I leave under these terms? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 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 this is a difficult question. I'll understand if you want to swerve this. I mean, with with that in mind, I mean, look, I, I thought you'd been such a great servant to Cloud Nine. You were in Cloud. You know, you joined Cloud Nine in like 2014. You didn't officially leave until 2018. That's a, that's just such a long time in in any esport to be part of any organization and it just kind of felt to me that once you weren't required by the team anymore like the decent thing like a nice thing to do for people who've been like loyal to a brand loyal to an org for years is to let them just go and freely freely pursue what whatever they want to do next as kind of a thank you um were you expecting that and and are you a little bit aggrieved if you were that it didn't happen that way. I'm trying to even remember. It, it was. There was just weird tension all around from the whole decision. And um, yeah, I. There wasn't as warm of a feeling as I got. And I could have been probably because. Jack had switched, it was uh, Dan Fiden is his name, to running the CS division or like worrying about that. And so I think C9 is also infrastructurally going through their own like changes and uncertainties. And I, and I, and I did feel kind of like weird about the whole thing, but mm. not necessarily like part of my loyalty too is even in this moment, like not alluding to anything super poor because it wasn't anything like illegal or anything that happened like that. It was, it was yeah. more like they just didn't really give me the warm and fuzzy, like, Hey, we'll help. We'll support you whenever you want. And maybe that would have been a little nicer. Um, uh, yeah, there was, there was obviously some other things in the community happening that I don't know if they were disappointed with me with for standing behind the PEA stuff. Yeah. I'm coming um, to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, and that's the only thing that I felt pretty hurt by because I think at one point, not only me, a lot of players dealt with this who stood up in that PA thing. Everyone's owner, and I won't say just Jack, but everyone's organization made them feel like they were doing something wrong by standing up for the rights of all the players. And like we were like damaging the trust. And we had, through that period, we had all said, hey, we're not going to talk to you guys directly about the league and the, the potential of it. 
we're gonna let Sir Scoots talk, and then Matt pissed off a lot of them because they didn't know. No, Scott knows so much about these guys, and apparently they just don't. Oh like yeah, the team owners fucking hate Scott. I mean, there's no. There's and obviously, no like I'm one of Scott. I'm a good friend of Scott, and I can see why they would hate him too. I love Scott, but he's a super critical dude, right? And that's why we kind of chose him, not because we thought they didn't like him, but because we knew he would be firm and had a good understanding of the situation. And yeah. I wasn't the only one. Obviously, you saw the Sean Garris thing and the TSM thing. I, I still, uh, you know, I, I maintain this. Uh, I was talking about Reginald the other day. I can't even remember the context. Uh, I think I was doing another interview, and I was talking about how much, like, Reginald has matured. But, I mean, you know, the PEA stuff is 2016. Uh, you know, it kind of just feels like yesterday. But what what happened between TSM and Sean Gares, I thought was disgraceful. And people still don't know the full story about that. There were some people who were like, Haha, yeah, Sean Gares looks like an idiot now. Like, you know, because an yeah. owner came out and threw his own player under the bus by leaking DMs. I mean, yeah, like, but, but there's still more people don't know. And of course, you know, a lot of players sign NDAs and fucking non-disparagement clauses. And it's like a lot of that stuff, maybe it'll never come out. But yeah, that, the way the whole PEA thing was handled, like from players trying to mobilize and owners kind of like going up against the players, I, I thought was shocking. I thought it was really bad. And, I, and you caught some of that flack too, for sure. Yeah, and like, like I said, we settled some of it. Eventually, me and other players from their teams respectively talked to owners and were like, hey, guys, like this is what we all agreed to do. I think it softened it up a bit, but I think not just for me, but for others, there was a lot of people in these situations where now your boss feel you. there's kind of this, like, I wouldn't say big coldness, but, you know, this little layer of between your former, uh, like, dynamic that you had with your employer. And um, like I said, they didn't, like, in that moment, like, be like, oh, we're going to hold you against your will or something. I, you know, like, I, I think at one point there was just a buyout, pretty normal clause for the agreement and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But yeah, that whole thing definitely threw a big wrench. And even like someone like Andy, like, you know, Andy was never known to like, before that, in my mind, at least, he was always known to like, once they agreed on a contract, he would live up to it. So at that point, I think what a lot of owners were doing, and you know, when you sign a contract, it's just like the TV thing you're talking about. Like to a certain degree, even if, even if, Oh, once you look back at it, it's whatever you sign the contract and like, yes, we should probably get these things changed, but it was on both ends. Yeah. There was, there was players reaching for things, but then the owners were taking these agreements and saying, Oh, well, this is what you signed to. We're going to force. It. And that's when I got scared. That's how we all stood up. Yeah. Um, luckily it didn't happen and no one got to that point, but it's, you know, it's happening again. We see the leagues kind of um, coming back around and shifting formats, and there's the Blast Pro Series. I don't actually know anything about the Blast situation, except I know a lot of people are saying Astralis is favoring their events or whatever, and that messed up the whole thing. I'm sure I could watch something with you and Duncan and, and get educated on it. But um, there's just – my point being is there's a lot of situations where players – it's not like we're just, like, waving a magic wand and crushing these organizations. We're just saying, hey – we want to like make sure we're not getting destroyed here. Like look at the major league baseball and basketball and hockey. They all have these things for a reason. NHL wasn't playing for a whole season for a reason, because this is a common thing of capitalists. Even if they're not being evil, big monsters, you obviously as a business owner want to own as much as you can of anything. So like, I don't fully blame the owners for trying to own a lot because they, they might've had the opportunity to do it just fine. But we also now have the opportunity to push back and say, Hey, this is this, and this is the product. So 
that's kind of what I've tried to leave it at in my mind so that I'm not saying like, I'm, oh, I'm going up against some evil force. No, we just got to be smart, get our legalities in place, start proposing new infrastructure and things like that. So hopefully that happens for the CN. No one has to be put in that uncomfortable position that me and other players did. Yeah. Well, I, I, the, I'll just a last uh, uh, point on this topic then. You know, the only argument that I think I could maybe get on board with the, with the uh, team owners for that was coming out of the PEA was this idea that because they pay you a salary and you're contracted to the organization, they should be able to dictate what tournaments you can and can't play in. Now, um, in general, I, I think even somebody as pro player as myself could get on board with that, except where it gets to a point where... You're monopolizing the scene. Yeah, well, no, not even that so much, but, but yeah, that's bad. But, but, but the, the fact is they were asking you guys to commit to a league that didn't even fucking exist. Well, yeah, there's no proof of concept. Yeah. They didn't even say, hey, let's try this thing out for a month and we'll run a couple events and we'll show you our production skills and the potential brand value, business value, a level of commit tournament, how smoothly it runs. Yeah, that was the other side too, is like, yes. And, and that's where I was at first. Like we were having the conversation pretty amicably as players, but I think that's when we all reached this point where we switched to having Scott wrap us because we were all talking to like our owners and like even Jack at first, like, yeah, we're never going to like force you to play anything you don't want to. And early on in the combo, like, oh, cool. And then, like, it got to the point where, like, all the owners kind of at the same time told everyone, like, but it does say in your contract we could do this, so we might just exercise this scene. And we're like, uh, well, what are we going to be signing to? What What is the, even, like, this league? And we started getting the details, and then it was like, well, we just have to drop everything else to play this thing that's not out yet? Like, hold, hold it there. And so, like, that, to your point, that was part of it for sure, is just, like, maybe if we actually saw more of the business model and it was – even for the future players, it was, it sounded pretty good for some of the players there. They're offering like bonuses and stuff for the, just for the first season. We're like, how about the fourth season? Are these new players going to get like shafted harder? Is it, it was just hard to tell. We didn't know there was a business plan, but it was, yeah, it was. And then you're asking a bunch of players to evaluate it and then like mad at us when we asked for help. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a dark time, but it is just like yet another attempt to, from a company or a group of people to no, basically I, try and control CS. It's like, it happens every year. And I like what, what you're saying, too. Is like, there is, like, it's not like, it was, and I felt the same way. It wasn't like evil of them to try to say, like, exercise their rights as a, they pay us a salary and all this yeah. stuff. It was more just like, hey, let's figure this out a little bit before, it, you know, it's, what we're talking about here is a little bit bigger than just like, you telling me to be like a contractor over here versus over there. Like it's, it's, you're removing the over there completely. <laughs> no. Anyways. So um, look, when you, when you left uh, cloud nine, uh, the first sort of place you landed in terms of being able to play again uh, was you joined uh, a fun little mixing group called the old guys club and uh you want an invite <laughs> yeah, well, i'm certainly fucking old enough but um i i have got that going for me but um i'm absolutely garbage the bench warmer for the old guys club. oh dude uh the warmest of benches like i never get off it uh but um i wanted to talk a little bit about that just because there was a clip and and i think this is there's a huge misconception about who you are at the core of your being, which people who know you and have been around you for a while 
Like we know how competitive you are, and we know how. Oh wait, yeah. Tommy. Well, yeah. So yeah, you, like there was this bit where you were like, you know, lo- losing a game, and I think Fifth Lauren was on the on the call, and and um and like uh, Shroud was there. I think it was actually Shroud's stream. The clip comes from. And, you know, you'd lost some rounds. I think you ended up losing a game to some team in the league. And everyone else was kind of, like, laughing about it. And you, like, just went off going, like, I don't think it's fucking funny, man. I want to fucking win. I want to fucking play. And, like, people, uh, people kept going, you're joking, aren't you, Jordan? And you go, no, I'm not fucking joking. Like, I'm being deadly serious. And um, I, I was, like, I wasn't surprised by that at all. And when I saw the clip go to Reddit, I was, like, yeah, that that's Jordan. Like, do people not realize that this guy's been in the game this long and he doesn't like to lose even random mixes or anything like that. He, he, everything, every time he plays, he wants to win. Yeah. Um, so I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about playing on on that team and in particular that clip because I thought it, people were acting all surprised. Like, oh my God, like, was Jordan having a bad day? Like, no. I mean, what was bad was he was fucking losing the game of Counter-Strike to, to players who were yeah. no one experienced. Well, so there's a difference, right? Like, if I'm 14-14 on stage with my pro-level team and we're playing at EPL and someone throws a bad flash and lose round, I'm not going to be like, Billy, why did you throw the flash? I'm going to be like, all right, fuck you, boys, let's go. Let's win the next round. How, you know, like, I might even crack a joke. Like, it's the best flash I've seen you thrown all week and it's still fun. You know, like, that's where people think, oh, he's always a jokester because I'm trying to level out people's being hard on themselves when I'm playing with them. I want people to stay focused. I want to stay in the zone. Shroud was 0-7 at one land. I was like, one more zero. We got you 007, baby. You're golden eye. Let's go. It's, you know, like I, I fuck with people because I want them to be relaxed and focused. But in this game, and, and it is an OGC game, but yeah, it was, we might have still ended up winning it, but it was just, um, and I, and I might even be harder when I get closer to people, harder on people, right? Like, because, and I, I love Tommy. I've known him for years. We were playing the game and, Tommy was, hey, I think we should just do this. I think we should just do that. I think we should do this. I think we should, Tommy, you don't know what you're talking about. Stop trying to tell us how to play. And we're I, like, and, and Jordan, well, we're just, it's just for fun. I'm like, well, okay. It's fun when we win, right? And you're proposing ways for us to win. You're, there's the wrong ways. We should do that. And I was like, uh, and so I got a little fired up because yeah, I, I think that's why I still. Well, he know. slipped right back into being a fucking in-game leader immediately as well. Right? Because <laughs> like, that's, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, no, because he's not a dumb guy by any means. But yeah, he hasn't been in the server in a while, uh, and so I was, I got a little tense there. But yeah, I, I, I think even the mouse sports guys, they they saw how much they they gave me like the biggest compliment ever. They're like, oh, we thought you were just a big jokester, but you really brought this like levelness to the team of like, of just because like Chris J would get so mad at himself when we were playing in that Brazil final, I was, and I rang with them. And I just started laughing at him because he's making a mistake with face. I was like, you just opt like three guys that got mad because he missed a fucking glove shot. Stop being a puss. Let's like win the next round. You know, like just laugh at him and, and just break the tension a little. And like, hey, we're still serious. We're still winning. And um, I think that's why that, that, I'm not giving myself credit. But that might have been even why they brought Stiko back. Is because I think they realized, oh, it, sometimes it is important not to just have five like stiff-minded. We need to win because it, when you don't have a coaching dynamic, it's not like you have a coach who walks into the room who, except some teams, that could just be like, hey, guys. You, I have all your respect. This is the energy now. Let's fucking focus. You know, Zonic might be able to do it. Some teams might be able to do it. But a lot of teams rely on the dynamic of the players. And when, and when you try to put too much – when there's not a personality that could glue people together or keep the conversation that is very frustrating together, yes, we lost. Let's talk about how we lost. All right, cool. Let's go grab team dinner. Cool. See you in the server tomorrow. Like, but, but it's like, no, we lost. 
I'm going to go talk to the man about it. And then you over there, you're man. And then it's like, we're going to play tomorrow. Man. It's like, no, shut the fuck up. You guys know why you lost. Talk about it, figure it out. And so, um, they gave me a big compliment after the event about that. Like, Hey, yeah, we really appreciate your energy. And I was like, yeah, that's what I've always been hoping to do as I transition from like the 1.6 kid that everyone wanted to just hit one taps every round to like, you know. yeah. Well, I mean that, that time in mouse sports was the next thing I was going to get to. Um, you know, I was nervous that first match. <laughs> oh, dude, I, it, it, it kind of blew me away because I mean, mouse sports have been having like, you know, these uh, roster issues. And, um, you know, there was a lot of like supposedly internal friction. Then they go to Belo Horizonte. Um, and, and this, I, I, I want to say, I think this was the last tournament where like, like they, they did the whole, um, you know, Stico uh, being involved in the team thing. Um, yeah. but, but they, they brought you in as a stand-in and what that... were they thinking? I think they asked MBK or something first and I don't think he could. And then they might even ask like simple or someone crazy, but yeah. like. But you know, they had a, like the run that you had while, while you were there. And I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like you could have, you guys could have won that final. Uh, it was the best of five phase one, three, two, you know, it went the distance and that was, the, and that, and that was the good phase. That was the good phase. And and the run you had there was you beat um, the, the party mix team, the now Tem Como guys while they were still a team. Yeah. You, beat, you beat team liquid, you beat SK gaming, you know, these are best of threes. And then yeah. you had a, uh, a best of five, three, two, three, two against phase. So, you know, I, I, I said coming out of, of that when me and Thorin did by the numbers, I'm like, you know, nothing gave a very good account of himself, you know, like not, not, not amazing statistics. Uh, not amazing. I had a couple maps there. I think where I did, I, but, I was up on the top, but that was about the, it. Oh the, yeah. The, you, you dropped two twenties against SK. Yeah, and, they, and yeah, SK put on maybe one of the liquid maps. Yeah, the uh, first one. You uh, nearly had another 20 there as well. So it was like you actually had, you, you were in like the middle of the pack for the team statistically. No, for sure. It was it was a blast. And like I think, you know, and I think like without giving myself too much credit, I think part of it too is like when you're not playing with your full lineup, it does loosen up people in general. Hmm. But I think that's why I was giving myself the little bit of credit was that when you do remove someone and you are looser, it's fun and game and stuff, but when you're still playing against Liquid and SK and stuff, you need to be able to play an infrastructure. So I filled a lot of roles and like Sonny was playing so well and Chris J was playing so well and Rops, this kid's like, Rops is like another shroud, by the way. If, you, if, you, if, if none of you watching this current podcast right now know that about Rops, he's just insane, little Jiggle Peak aimer. And so like all these guys, I think they got super comfortable and I was just happy. I think I said it after we beat like SK on stage. I was like, hey, man, I'm not here to replace Oscar. I'm just happy that I was able to get everyone into their comfort zone and get their strengths showing because they're like, what am I? I'm going to run in and be on Inferno. Am I going to fucking bait someone? No. I got Rops behind me. I want this kid blowing away the whole bomb site. I'll run in pants down backwards if I need to for this. You know, like these guys are insane. So a lot of rounds are won by that. Me just like yeah. taking initiative where I needed to. So those guys, I, I honestly have a feeling like if they can figure something out with their, even with their current lineup with Kerrigan, um, it sucks they lost Sonny. I think he was a super good player, but yeah, Sonny, Sonny's a good player, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see 
um, what happens next? Because everyone was like, oh, if we could get Sonny to go to Ents, that'd be amazing. And now, of course, Ents aren't going to change their fucking team. They're like, for me, I think they're the second best team I know. right now. I, mess- right? I, I messaged me, Sonny, as a ju- I was like, just fuck myself. And I was like, so me, you and Flash would make your team right. I know you guys aren't as good as me anymore, but like, we can <laughs> figure this out. I'm jealous of the scene. I guys got to play with Flash. I, I, I've always heard great things about him. It's like, I mean, I know he like, Maybe Rage is a little hits the test sometimes, but uh, I've heard he's insane awareness yeah. in game sense. Um, and then you had uh, you you played for NRG for a little bit after that. Um, well, Dabs accepted to cast or something at the major. Yeah, you know, was... yeah, that was it. Dabs, Dabs basically ended up <laughs> casting at the major while his team was still playing in the tournament. Which... So stupid! It was like a star oh. ladder qualifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You played, you played in a qualifier. Now, one of the things I'd been talking about uh, for a while was I want, I was like, because understand, NRG were a very young team at that time. I mean, now they're an established international team. I really like the direction they're going now that they've added Tarek and everything. Um, but one of the things again I talked about is like the fantasy move was I wanted to see you play with those youngsters and and have you replace Fugly and kind of come in and be that like anchor position. And you yeah. know, lend some of your experience and knowledge to those players. So when Daps ended up doing that casting at the major, and you played that qualifier with NRG, I was like, this could, it, it, you know, it could be on. It could happen. Um, well, was there ever any discussion about that? They had actually asked me to play for them, yeah. But before that, oh wow, okay. Before that, they had asked me to play for them, and um, I won't say exactly for who, but yeah, it was they asked you to play for them, and. Um, I, you know, we played that qualifier though. I think it was, it was tough because we had like I'm a pet helping call strats because Daps is gone. And no yeah. offense to Chet, I, you know, because I've heard great things about him um, from being like an analyst coach style and reading other teams. We just didn't have like any um for every round we played. I think we actually still should have won. We were up in the final game, we we're up like 9 0 versus like, I don't know if it was like a Freakazoid or a Swole Patrol or what, you know, what's one of these teams. Up like nine zero in the best of three. It, it, it was it was Swole Patrol, yeah. <laughs> that, See it or something, yeah. yeah. I was up like nine zero. I think we were up eight zero in the third map or the first map after just like crushing everyone. Or second map, second map. We might have won first map. Eight zero second map. Yeah, you won. You won the first, uh, then you lost the second, and uh, yeah, okay, so exactly. And then lost the but second. then you then you were ahead in the uh, in in the final one. You ended up losing in overtime. Wasn't so even in the second map, I don't know if you can see the rounds. I think we were up like eight zero or something. Mm. And I think we were just like, oh, like default A, B, A, B. Like, and we just all of a sudden were like, wait, I think we just lost that map. Like, oh shit. <laughs> and then we lost the third map. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucked. But uh, yeah, that, I don't know if that, like, I, they might have even asked me again after that one, but I don't know if I, that was like the best impression because we were just like, uh, we definitely need a DAPS round for. I don't know if people always give him enough credit, but that team needs direction, you know, with those, there's a lot of skill, but those guys, yeah, Breze and Nate's aim, wild, right? Great. Sick, sick aimers. So yeah, that was almost the same for sure. I, I, it was weird. I think that, I think that affected me after, after I left C9 from like a confidence and wanted to be on a team thing. I think it affected me for a little while. I held it and I dragged it with me. It took me a bit to like, cause I know I could get back into it from like, just like a hours perspective, like putting time in, but like mentally I, I was a little pulled out of it. Yeah. Mm. Cause I, I love, you know, like I, I love to be loyal to a team. I love to stick with the team for a while. I didn't know if I wanted to join NRG and then, the, then there's the whole player contract and representing sponsors again. And then I started getting my own sponsors at this time. And I'm like, Oh, should I, what should I do? Like I it seemed complicated and it wasn't worth it at the time. So. Mm. 
and and then you ended up having a pretty prolonged run with complexity um yeah they which, were super cool they were yeah. jason like just like you know just got to call the owner of the company and me and him just talk things out and he made it work easily and um they're you know flew me out there right away had an empty apartment for me right when i needed to practice with them hooked me up just super simple discussions for like a pay and compensation and like terms and exit whenever you want basically after we play and um and extension option and stuff so that was super fun and i almost stayed but like i said i've been since i've been working on stuff as an influencer there's one bigger thing i'm working on that may not even come to fruition but you know how these things go that i was like you know what i, I started this thing before you asked me to play i'm going to try to finish this project in my mind i told him just find someone now because there's a chance it interrupts us before the major yeah. and then all of a sudden you guys have to replace someone later so um yeah, that there. I, I was surprised. I I didn't know much about Death, and I knew Stanislaw, but I didn't know much about him as a as a player. Stanislaw, super um, well-rounded player, not just in-game leader, but just a good player. And Death, really good teammate. Rory, I don't know if you've talked to him much. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. He's like the only UK player I've like had. Uh, well, no, tell a lie because there's the guy who plays with the French guys. Like, Def and Logan are like the two UK players. I legit don't think I've ever had an interaction with them, which seems incredible. But, yeah. uh, yeah, he's a good dude. You would, yeah, you would, yeah. you would like him. Like, always, he kind of had some of my like teammate ethos in his self, but even more kind of like he would stand up for someone even more emotionally if he needed to right then. But no, I think it's stupid. I don't think this guy's getting the chance, or I think this guy's should do this or not mm. so I, I really liked his presence because there's always good intentions yeah and so so anyways yeah overall it was pretty fun run like there was some some flaws in our game but yeah we came together for the, the majors pretty fun run what was it weird playing with uh shazam uh not too weird like even when we cut him in the past i was always yeah that, that's what because uh, just to set the scene for people watching this in case they don't know maybe they're new accountants right obviously you'd you know, you'd cut him back from his, and you know, admittedly terrible spell. You know, in 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 Cloud Nine, and, and you guys had cut him from that team, which yeah. was like kind of like Shazam's breakout. Uh, and and you know, he got destroyed by Days in that video. The community. oh man, that sucked. Well, he ended up yeah. playing with Sean again, and I think even when we like removed him, I was talking to him the whole time, and he was pretty cool about it. And so I was just like super thankful, and so I always just stayed cool with him because you know some people had issues with Shazam because he liked to speak his mind and stuff but it was like <laughs> but I kind of always appreciate it because I never really had any surprises by him he would always kind of tell me what he was feeling or thinking about um you know st still the same old dude he, you know he just wants to he, he likes trying to win and he doesn't like keeping anything not talked about and you, you know and so like I'm, I'm a good person for that with him we were chatting throughout the thing a lot about strats and stuff and Pretty, pretty chill stuff he was always pretty good um player even when we removed him he was just i think it was we needed a change and um for the mentality of the team maybe he wasn't there yet but he was like diligent guy good opera just he was over peaking the things a lot i think maybe I, I don't know if he was trying to overcompensate and just dying in weird ways where we were like we know he was better than this but we just didn't have time to work through it mm. kind of thing so kind of maybe like when uh when i got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and like you say, uh, you know, Jason did did make you an offer to kind of stay with the team, but you weren't able to accept because of the projects and 
other commitments. Was it a little bit weird working with Jason Lake? Because again, for those that don't know the history, obviously you were, you know, Mr. Evil Geniuses. And, um, you know, back in the day, one of the, one of the, well, the big beef, if you like, in NA between, you know, kind of CS brands and, and CS managers were obviously Alex Garfield, EG, you know, they were considered pretty ruthless. And you had Jason Lake and Complexity out there who were kind of like, you know, the progenitors of professional Counter-Strike in NA in a lot of ways, but uh, certainly found it tough going, you know, once yeah. uh, Evil Genius has established a foothold. So, I mean, w w was that weird? Because there's a lot of people that say a lot of things about both of those personalities in NA, and uh, they've, they've been seemingly divisive figures. Yeah, it was maybe a little weird, like, especially thinking if I did stick around and made that team my home. Um, it wasn't like a negative weird. It was just weird, weird. I was just more like, yeah, yeah. I was always on like the opposite end of these teams from like Evil Geniuses to Cloud9. I mean, I was on Complexity briefly in the beginning of CSGO, obviously, if you remember. Yeah, um, that is true. And um, yeah, so it was weird. I mean, I was happy for them. Like, they've, I think, you know, the Cowboys ownership getting involved has really done a lot for the organization. Jason's always strived to have like the super professional top tier staff facility players everything so i he was definitely following up with that ambition and it was it was cool to be involved in that and uh, uh definitely a little weird but it wasn't you know once i got into there actually when i decided not to play with him it also felt like i was like oh I, I saw a world where i potentially stuck around for a bit and you know me i don't really leave too fast so i could i saw a world where i potentially was with complexity for a bit for sure mm. um so look let's let's get into this next phase uh one of the things that the community really seem to like you for when you're doing your streams is giving people you know insight in how to play that you know you have a good way of explaining things a good way of you know like kind of um making people understand in-game concepts and um, your stream has been dubbed by many people who watch it to be, you know, educational, yeah. a good place to go if you want to learn about the fundamentals of the game at a high level. Um, so Not irritated with pugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As much as you can apply them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, is it, does that mean that you've given a lot of thought to maybe creating or being involved in some sort of coaching uh, for Counter-Strike players? Is that anything that's ever crossed your mind? Well, I don't know if you saw, I released that CSGO course. Yep, on, I saw that. On, on Udemy, and that was pretty fun. I mean, I think at that level, I had I had done coaching back in the day as a way to make extra cash. So I think a lot more players would have a similar effect on the community if they just spent time. Like even Pimp started doing it more, and then he got into a little rhythm of giving feedback and 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 teaching people. So I think it was just – for one, I think the only reason I got that viewpoint is because I did it. I did probably, I don't know how many hundreds of hours doing lessons in 1.6 and go. So I kind of got used to dumbing down things when I talked to people. So I think that's why people would grab onto it. I did a lot of videos because a lot of people, a lot of pros who are super good, they don't think about why their wrist does something or their hand does something or this. They just do it over time. And I started reflecting more when I had to give lessons. So I had some cool insights. In terms of coaching pro teams, it's different. It's, it's almost like I would rather play again and, or try to be a player than try to be a coach. I mean, it would be obviously be super cool to be part of like the top one team in the world um, as like uh, any, any role, but I don't know if coaching 
like I would have to shift up some of the ways that I am as a person to be a coach. I would have to be a little bit more uh, concise with how I talk. I would have to be a little bit more focused with how I present ideas, right? Because when you're a player, you kind of show up in practice and say, hey, I've been thinking about some of these things and this, and you're kind of more open to discussion. As a coach, you have to learn that's a whole other skill set. So um, I still love doing the amateur coaching. I'm probably going to release another course. I have, I think, like 75 or 7,600 students on my beginner course. So mm -hmm. I definitely want to follow up for them. And um, yeah, keep for sure doing educational content. Like just to, just even the stuff like you do, YouTube, right? Like it's just fun to be able to do your thing and get it out there without any like big platform needed. Or well, YouTube's a big platform, but without anyone like. Yeah, like kind of vetoing it or whatever. I, I know. Yeah, you, you don't need to be part of some big production. You can kind of just sit in your room like we're doing now and yeah. put it together. Yeah, the joys of bedroom broadcasting, right? And no, uh, no majors club again, or what? Yeah, well, hey, man, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to get you guys uh, in, involved in that. I mean, you know, just uh, while, while we're on that topic, um, I, I, oh yeah, yeah, no worries. I, I, I was just saying, I think it's um, super cool that um, you know we, we're in a position now where because the majors are this like open source and people can like just grab the games and stream them. Um, I think we've had like loads of cool content come out and people are actually looking at these alternative streams as being a like, more, a little bit, it's more relaxed. It's yeah. more, you might get backstory, you get some different perspective and. Well, that's uh, what I love about the summit and, and, and be, before that, what, they're doing in a studio, I think right now. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Actually. Yeah, I, I, just, yeah. I mean, they still kind of have that vibe, but the house really just doubles down on the vibes and everyone's yeah. kind of hanging out. Yeah, I, I always like that because there's like so many cool stories that fans will never get to hear otherwise. Um, you know, like when, we, you know, I remember Cold Zero's <laughs> told some stories, like Taco's told some cool stories. Oh, who was it, Josh or Steel? Like, oh, <laughs> sliding down a that, that motherfucker always. Uh, always. up his ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's hilarious. Uh, Josh always has been. Um, you know, just while just while we bring up Steel, because I this wasn't actually part of the interview, but since you you referenced it, um, you know, one of the things that I, I think it's always worth talking about and always worth kind of remembering about is, you know, where NA was prior to the whole I by Power thing, um, and then you know where we've ended up as a, as a result of that, right? Where would Swag would have been? Where would Days and Steel would have been? Where what, what could have been? Because that was I took I ended up taking Skadoodle to our twenty fifteen. Yep. C9 team. I mean, to be honest, w without getting too like bitter, like I was mad at Brax for joining with that particular group of people at the time, just because of the whole demeanor of how it went down and stuff. And so, well, could, could explain a little bit about it. I, I've tried to contextualize what it was like in NA, and I, I think, you know, we had just played the Katowice major. Yeah. I, I am Katowice, maybe the first one we got out of groups with our. Were we complexity or seen out of time? It might have been our last complexity event. Yeah, you might have been. Yeah, it might have been the last. It might have been our last com complexity event at major, and um, what we did was we got out of groups, and then on the way home, I think I my powers there, and they went out in groups, and I had actually even Days had said something to me and was interested in like, hey, would you be interested in joining this squad? And kind of like made like a, I don't know if it was even a full attempt, just kind of like just gauging interest, and I was like, oh no, like I'm good. And like I was kind of building up that core with like Sean and Hiko and 
Corey at the time. Mm-hmm. And Brax just was like, oh, I don't know. And he had some issues with the team. And, I, you know, I was like, okay, well, let's figure these out because, like, you're obviously one of our best players. And, like, he was a good kid. He never really caused any issues. So we wanted to keep him super skilled. And then what happened was is they formed their kind of, like, what they thought was, like, their super team, which was going to be Days, Steel, Skadoodle, Swag, AZK. Mm. And um, they were definitely super good, but it was just like so the whole time you kind of got this weird vibe for the team. Like when you watch them on land, like like days, there's no you know everyone knows days over there slamming and yelling and doing stuff. Super, but you know, not a bad player. Super, almost kind of like you think of him almost like a glaive or something with with but with a sprinkle of rage <laughs> every time something bad happened and a little maybe personality issues there but they definitely had a lot of skill and and brain power as much as people probably didn't think of it Scott was destroying everyone and Brad was destroying everyone but Days and Steel were doing a lot of thinking and coming up with some good strats and they were, I remember what was it the face it Milan land yeah they should have won right they got or they not should have maybe I think they lost MBK in the squad or did they did they end up winning that Oh God, that that's like another fucking lifetime. Um, but anyway, so yeah. their team was very good, and then they all of a sudden decided to what throw for a Sebo match, and I don't know who are the mastermind and all that team out, and someone who's one of the Debo. Yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was Fnatic that they lost to. Fnatic, yes. Yeah, it was. The, it was of course they yeah, the great Fnatic side, but yeah, they you know, they finished second. They were runners up. But they were playing really well in that yeah. land, and yeah, I remember that's the famous Shroud story after party. I remember. I remember, mm. I remember that was one of the first times I hung out with Skadoodle. We and him walked away from the after party and got a slice of pizza. And where he was talking to me about rifling. <laughs> and I was like, dude, just go play the game. You're fine. It was funny. But, um, um, yeah, I so mean. That transition and the, yeah, that whole thing happened. And then their team slowly. I, well, eventually, Kiko left our squad later, right? Because that's when we picked up. Did we try, like, anger at first when Brax left, I think? Yeah, anger. That's and right. And then that kind of didn't last very long. And then I think we got Shazam. And then eventually, or no, and then Hiko left. And then we got Shazam. I'm trying to even remember. I mean, yeah. go, like, I, I, can't, yeah. I can't pull that shit out from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We need this is where Duncan comes in the clutch. Anyway, yeah, so. this is what we, yeah, this is exactly what we need Thorin. Um, so yeah, then that change all happened. Then he ended up leaving, and that's when their team went to that squad. He was gonna, they were gonna do that whole thing. And before they even started as a team, they played that match. And that that's what happened. They were supposed to go to the X Games, <laughs> and and then we ended up going because their team, their team fell apart. And then, well, just to just to ask you, you know, your your opinion. Obviously, I know you would never advocate for throwing matches. Um, as I wouldn't, um, but I mean, I think me, like you and me both know that a lot of teams did what they did, uh, at, at that time. And I'm not talking small teams. I'm talking, there were other top players in Europe, you know, that I, that I saw. Oh yeah. I heard other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, never, yeah. I actually purposely didn't do too much like digging or questioning of even like friends. Cause I didn't really yeah. care to know. Um, unless it like came out from someone like you or someone doing like real like getting actual like facts out, but um, I knew well, I heard. Did definitely. anyone ever? Did anyone ever approach you at that time? I feel like every player has a story. Well, I feel like I got approached, but no one. They would 
I would see it feel if I, if I said it, they would say that wasn't a real approach, but people mm. would crack jokes and, mm. and be like, Hey man, we could probably make like 20 grand right now or something for this match. And I'd be like, LOL. And then they would like, they wouldn't say anything else. But I was like, I feel like if I didn't say LOL right there, yeah, they would have subscribed or something. Yeah. And so I had heard that from a couple other people. I mean, my teammates at the time would get like the same message and kind of, we would just like laugh about it and be like, my gosh, like, I think that wasn't a joke. <laughs> like, cause it's these like small matches where they don't really mean shit for the whole scheme of the year. Mm. And so it is the, 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 uh, the enticing side of it was obviously right there in front of you. I was like, Oh, lose out on some qualifiers event that doesn't matter. And you're going to win more than first place at the prize, but it's super shady. And so some people are like, Oh, well, who are we affecting? Let me just take some scans really quick. And, and so, yeah, man, I, I mean, I feel like your next question is, should they still be banned? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, I'm not, you know, whom I'm not judge Judy over here. Right. I mean, I grew out the hair a little bit, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, if I were to say, like, they just, they got their punishment, yeah, they pretty much got, like, kicked out of the scene. I mean, Josh is still making his run with Ghost, which is really cool. Um, that's kind of a whole weird dynamic. Like, if I own my own team, I don't know if I would want to pick up any of those three guys just because it's, like, how how much does that affect you when you can't be involved potentially in the whole major process. Um, so good, good stuff for Josh making that happen with Ghost. But, yeah, it would have been cool to see Brash be able to play, but, like, yeah, you do something wrong – it's a weird situation because like, I know Braxton's not like an evil kid, but like, <sighs> I would love to see them be able to compete again. Um, I would have loved to see like it be like a de defined first offense thing for the whole community. Like, Hey, these guys are only getting two years ban, but anytime this happens again, you're getting a permanent ban. And then there's the example for the whole community. Like, yeah, you know, but they got owned. Yeah, I mean, it, it it still seems mind blowing to me that would you know here we are. It's twenty nineteen. There's still not a lot to play in at Valve tournaments, and there's no appeals process. You know, the, it, it, like I I just I just feel that especially when you look at how the game was back then as well, and the fact that these guys weren't salaried. And all the other mitigating circumstances. Maybe five hundred bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, that's the that's the thing. Those guys were making jack shit. Uh, they they were just told if you went to a major, you've got to keep all the sticker money. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, how do you, how how, how do you not get tempted when when you know these no, guys I'm are putting in the eight hours a day, and yeah. and you get you you know you don't even have a salary for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's it, it's a tough one. I, I I just think, you know, the first time it happened in Dota, they did, it was like a year, and the 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 famous guy Solo, who they proved that he threw a game for like three hundred and twenty-two dollars, which is where the three-two-two meme comes from. He's playing in TIs right now. You know, he's made you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. You know, no problem. Um, yeah, I think some people are just, like, have more propensity to do it. I think the sucky thing is, like, you know, like, I think, like, Days did already get, did betting on, like, baseball and stuff. Like, fully legal, normal betting. So, to him, it was probably just, like, so in his wheelhouse. And I don't even remember. You'd probably remember the story. I remember who initiated it. But maybe it was D-Born was betting legally on other matches. Mm -hmm. and like, oh, yeah, just, yeah. like, normally, just, like, just betting because he knows CS. And then it was, like, oh, here's this opportunity or something. And so... 
Was that is that who started that or? Um. Yeah. I mean, the the, the, the nail know. the nail in the coffin was Deborn's girlfriend, um, yeah. leaking yeah. the phone uh, that had all of the texts. What? Because he was like. Because then Valve just did like a search, right? And all the trades were there. Yeah. He he basically was texting her every time he was placing all these large bets. So you had dates, times, games, amounts. Oh, was she betting too or something? Uh, no, I think he just liked to fucking talk too much. <laughs> you know, I think like I. She, All right, well we. I'm she, over talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talking too much. Yeah, she was. She was. She was. She was a player as well. Um, so I guess it was like a a flex or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, fucking. I, I don't know, man. Uh, for me, I, I've said it multiple times. I'll I'll, I'll say it again. I, I think it's time for a clean slate for those guys, and um, I think putting. I putting rules in place that just says, because they ain't going to come back and play anyway. Yeah, no, since Josh and Brax have always been like, like Josh did a good thing by like for a while for his stream, he's doing pro tips for a little bunch of released yeah. bunch of YouTube videos, was grinding the game. Josh gets a little emotional the same as before, right? When he plays, but other than that, he's been a big, a good community figure. Um, Brax, obviously just being Brax and just wanted to play the game. I don't know. Obviously, everyone had the most empathy or sympathy for him because they felt like he was just there. Mm. Um, which side told him, I was like, you shouldn't have left our team, you little shit. And uh, nah, that was uh, that's like me pushing his buttons a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. Well, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have uh, embroiled him, I mean, uh, if, if he hadn't. So, like I say, it's a huge what if. There's an alternate yeah. universe, you know what I mean, where those guys are still playing. And NACS looks completely different. Um, Where the flash exists and Flashpoint is real. Yeah. Um, so look, I'll, I, we're getting to the end of our time. So yeah. um, I'll uh, just sort of ask you, uh, you know, generally, because I know you can't talk too much about this project that you're working on, but you know, what's next, right? Like, what what, what are you going to be doing? Uh, where where what are your attentions going to be focused on uh, for for the immediate future? Yeah, well, basically, I still play a lot of CS. There was a small chance that um, – so one of these projects that I did had me being in a position to play. Okay. And one of them don't, so depending on which way it goes. So potentially play for myself was one of the things and have my own team. So that was something I talked about for a while. But it's not necessarily the most – like, it seems super, like, lucrative to own your own team, but it's not as lucrative as it would seem. And, no. um you have to wait until when the VC kicks in. That's yeah. that. That's yeah. when you make the money. And then you just scrape the little equity off the table before anyone sees and some of that funding. But no, so um, continuing doing the educational, the streaming stuff. Just I'm going to keep just trying to um, do content that is kind of subservient to the CS community and the educational stuff, and also a little bit fun of just me playing some other games. And in the background, I've been working on some consulting and just like consulting for what I do know and shadowing some business people for um, a couple companies that I do know. One of them's an agency and one of them's a new startup related to like almost gaming centers, kind of like, the, like a new hybrid land center thing, shared office space thing. And I've been helping them there. And so I've just been trying to grow um, my focus, if, if one of these projects that I keep just, it's so, it's so annoying, just keep referring it to it so vaguely, but if one of these things comes to fruition sooner or later, that's going to take up probably 60 to 80% of my time. And then it'll just be like streaming here and there. And then, the, you know, I still want to analyze and stuff. 
accept some of the next offers I get for that would be fun. I might be doing, um, oh, well, I declined to do McMaster's, but yeah, I might be doing one other event soon. So kind of just that stuff, yeah. All right, man. Uh, well, look, is there any, uh, any, anything that you need to plug? Because I, I don't even know, what, you know, everyone's got fucking all sorts of merch. Yeah, if you guys want to follow me, follow me. If you don't want to follow me, that's also fine. I mean, you don't have your own brand of coffee or energy drinks or anything? Shit, I should have, yeah. Like, where's well, the- think about it. A zero calorie. Zero, you know, nothing, nothing but health. Yeah, something like that. There's a brand there. Like, I'll give you that one. You can, you can work on that. Yeah, I should do more there. No, yeah, if you guys want to follow me, nothing, N0THNG on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch. My YouTube is Nothing TV. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for having me, Richard. No, it's good to catch up, buddy. Um, I hope to see you because um, obviously I'm in America right now. I'm in, I'm in Vegas. Vegas. I feel like right? I'm, not, yeah, yeah. I'm, not too, I'm not too far from you. Am I going to see I'm, you at any events or are you just kind of – you just? Uh, no, nah, it's too dangerous for me these days, buddy. I, like, I'm not even joking. Like, no, I yeah, so I wouldn't many, be surprised. Yeah, I get so many fucking threats. It's just like I just can't do it to Am myself. I, yeah, so. Do I have any worries just by talking to you right now? Is uh, no, I think you're safe. I think okay. you're – people like you. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think, uh, I think one day Those I'm – the ones with the most to hide. Yeah, it's the old uh, double tap in the back of the head suicide for me, probably. You know what I mean? So just um, whatever. But look, it's been great to talk to you, man. I miss you. And um, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad that you're entering the next phase of your life. And I'm sure everybody will uh, support you and um, continue to love you for your fantastic contribution to CS. So there you have it, guys. That is, of course, the legend, uh, Nothing. Um, Hope you've enjoyed this conversation, this episode of the Dessert of Dog Show. Uh, Don't know who it's going to be next week right now. I don't know what's in the can. Um, so I can't tell you no teasers no spoilers but whoever it will be it will be someone you're making an outstanding contribution to esports I've been Richard Lewis thanks a lot for watching and I'll see you on the next episode